to the Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This in-depth one-hour radio broadcast features a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible, as originally taught by Pastor Chuck. Our study today picks up in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 16, as we follow along with today's lesson. Then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. In other words, get, get fast, go. Do not pass. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was thinking of Monopoly. Was it go to jail, do not pass, go, do not collect 200 or whatever, you know. Get. Don't try and take anything with you. Just get out of there. This is the warning. When you see this take place, then flee. Now, according to the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation, God is going to give to the Jews wings of an angel or wings of an eagle, whereby he will transport them to the wilderness place that God has prepared for them, where God will take care of them, watch over them, protect them for three and a half years until the whole great tribulation period is over. Isaiah speaks about it in chapter 13, I believe it is. Uh, Come ye into the secret place and where I will cover you and so forth until the indignation be overpassed. And so uh, this is now going into the future. It really doesn't have anything to do with the church at this point. It's signs of the second coming of Jesus Christ. At this point, I believe the church will already have been raptured and out of the scene. Jesus is basically talking to the Jews because he says to them, Woe to those that are pregnant and to those that are nursing, but pray that your flight will not be in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Wouldn't bother us to have to flee somewhere on a Saturday, but to the Jew it would be a difficult thing. Because Jesus then says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. The world has never seen anything to equal this. Never in the history of man has there been anything to equal what is going to transpire when God begins to judge the world in righteous judgment because of all of the things 
that man has done in rebellion and in defiance against God from the time of Adam to the present day, but it is culminating in our society. You are seeing it. You're being exposed to it. And it is imperative that you stand against it if you are going to escape these things that are going to come to pass upon the earth. So, great tribulation, such as the world has never seen before or will ever see again. And unless those days were shortened, there would be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now we're going to have mention of the elect here in Matthew 24. And it is important that we define who the elect are that Jesus is talking about because here is where a great deal of difficulty comes in understanding Bible prophecy. For there are those who identify the elect as the church of God. And if the elect in this case be the church of God, then there is strong argument for the church being here during the Great Tribulation. Though that does not really coincide with the nature of God. You remember when the Lord was on his way to destroy the city of Sodom because of the sin, the blatant sin It had gotten so bad the homosexuals were prating in the streets in Sodom. God said, that's enough. And when they talked to Abraham, Abraham said, should not the Lord of the earth be just? Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in Sodom. The Lord said, if there are 50 righteous people, we will spare the city. What if there are 40 righteous? If there be 40 found who are righteous, we will spare the city. What if there are 30? If there are 30 found, what if there are 10? If we find 10 righteous men, we will spare the city. What happened? they found one righteous man. And they said to him, get out of here. We cannot destroy the city until you are gone. Why? Because when God's judgment falls, it doesn't fall on his people. God's judgment falls on the ungodly. And God is righteous, and he would not judge the righteous with the unrighteous. And so as Peter is giving us a commentary on the story of Lot, he said that God delivered that righteous man, Lot, who was vexed by the way people were living around him. Do you find your righteous spirit vexed 
by the things that are going on in the world in which you live today, then you're in company with Lot. That's exactly how he felt when he heard of the things that were going on, when he saw the things that were going on. His righteous spirit was troubled. He was vexed over it. And then Peter adds his commentary, for the Lord knows how to deliver the righteous, but to reserve the ungodly for the day of judgment. So it's important that we define the elect. Turning to Isaiah chapter 45, the Lord said, For Jacob my servant's sake, and for Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name, Israel, mine elect. Isaiah 65, And I will bring forth a seed out of Jacob and out of Judah, an inheritor of my mountains, and mine elect shall inherit it, and my servants shall dwell there. Descendants of Judah, Judah and Jacob. Isaiah 65, 22, They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. So God declares that Israel is his elect. Now, it is true that Paul in his writings to the Colossians refers to them as the elect of God. And it is true that the church is elected by God, divine election. But the elect here is a reference to Israel. And if you can see that, then you'll have no problems. If you, if you try and make the elect, well, the Christians and all, then you're going to have the Christians in the Great Tribulation, you're going to have God acting against his nature of judging the uh, righteous with the wicked and, and all of these things. So for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And then if any man says unto you, Lo, here is the Messiah, or there, Believe it not, for there shall arise false messiahs, false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch as if it were possible they would deceive the very elect. Behold, behold, he said, I've told you beforehand, I've warned you. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he's in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he's in the secret chambers, believe it not. So, now we come to the very coming again of Jesus Christ and the manner of his coming. As Jesus is giving to the disciples the signs of his coming again and the end of the world system of governments that are in rebellion against God. Way back in the book of Daniel as Nebuchadnezzar the king was one evening wondering what was going to happen to the world. The Lord gave to him a dream in which he showed to him the future of the world. 
the kingdoms and governments of man that would reign over the earth. This dream was in the form of a great image that necessitated the interpretation by Daniel. And he told the king that the image with its different metals represented the various kingdoms that would rule, beginning with the Babylonian kingdom and ending with a federation of ten nations that were related somehow to the Roman Empire, iron and clay. But Nebuchadnezzar, while he was watching this image transfixed, he saw a stone come out of the mountains, not cut with hands, and it smote the great image in its feet, or the final government of man, and the whole image, the world system, the world governments collapsed, and the stone grew into a mountain that covered the earth. And in the interpretation that Daniel gave to the king, he told him that that stone was the time when the God of heaven would come and would reign over the earth, bring an end to the reign of man. And so the disciples are wondering about this. What will be the signs of the coming of Jesus Christ and the end of the worldly governments dominated by Satan and his rebellion against God. So as Jesus is giving them the signs, and we looked at many of them last week, tonight as we begin in verse 24, he is speaking of the false Christ and the false prophets. Now in the book of Revelation chapter 13, we are told about the false Messiah. He is called the beast. And there is with him this false prophet who causes the world to worship the beast. There shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. Paul the apostle writing about this man of sin that is coming upon the earth who will actually be the final world ruler in dictatorial power. As Paul writes about him in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 9, Paul said, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Notice Jesus said, great signs and wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So this false messiah, coming with signs and wonders. As John writes about him in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, beginning with verse 11, writing of the false prophet that shall arise after the Antichrist to lead the world in worshiping him. He said, I beheld another beast, that is the false prophet, coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, 
and he spoke as a dragon. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and he caused the earth and those that dwelt therein to worship the first beast whose deadly womb was healed. And he doeth great wonders. Notice again, Jesus said, great signs and wonders. So that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and deceives them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he had the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the womb by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, and he caused that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he have the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So this false prophet doing miracles and wonders, Jesus warns that there will be the false Christ, false prophets, showing great signs and wonders. The San Diego paper, the um, Union, San Diego Union, on uh, this past week, actually, uh, had this article in the uh, paper. It was written by Phyllis Avery, and uh, it uh, was an article concerning Clinton's health plan. Uh, and in the article, she writes concerning this card uh, that uh, we will all be required to uh, carry with us. Uh, in talking of the plan, she said, if parents try to override the plan to get priority care for their sick child, they could be charged with a federal crime. This plan is based on coercion, pure and simple. But here is what is really behind the Health Security Act. You will be required to carry at all times your health security card. The card will have a microchip embedded in it, and it will contain your complete medical record. The health security card will be your cashless society debit card, and it will be necessary for every purchase you make. No card, no purchase. It will be your travel card. You will be stopped and charged with an offense without your card. It will be your work card. No card, no work. It will be your new world order identification card. Getting close. <laughs> Cause every man, both small and great, to receive a mark. No one can buy or sell without that mark. We're getting close. I have here a little injector has a sharp little needle point on it I have in it a little microchip that is of course too small for you to see but this is the injector that they use to inject the microchip into dogs or into animals uh, the microchip has a little transmitter in it as well as information. 
And uh, if your dog is lost, they can actually find it with the uh, micro uh, transmitter that is here. Uh, and uh, it can easily be inserted under the skin. You push this little lever and it injects in under the skin this little uh, micro uh, chip here. We're getting close. Here's the thing is, it's already prepared to just give everybody an identification. When they find that the cards can be lost or cards can be stolen, then they'll come up on another wise plan of just taking that microchip from the card and just inserting it in your hand or in your forehead. So, uh, getting close. Now, the Antichrist, the false prophet, will be able to do signs and wonders, miracles. Both Paul and John speak of their deceiving. And here Jesus said, if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. Now in verse 31, when Jesus sends his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. We have two mentions of the elect here in the 24th chapter. And the identity of the elect is very important. And if the elect here are the church, which Peter speaks of the church as elect of God, then it would put the church in the great tribulation period. But if the elect is the nation Israel, which I will attempt to show you when we get to verse 31, then that gives the place for the rapture of the church and the church not being here during this time that the Antichrist is revealed and the great tribulation is taking place upon the earth. One of the first events, I believe, that will take place after the church is raptured will be the revelation of the Antichrist. In Revelation chapter 4, I believe that you have the place of the rapture of the church in the book of Revelation. When John heard the voice as of a trumpet saying to him, come up hither and I will show you things which will be after these things, after what things? After the things of chapters 2 and 3. What are the things of chapter 2 and 3? The things of the church. The messages of Jesus to the church, to the churches. So what will happen after the church? A door open in heaven. The voice like of a trumpet saying, come up hither, I'll show you things that will take place after these things. Immediately John was in the spirit. He was caught up into heaven and there he saw the throne of God and heard the worship of the cherubim about the throne of God, saw the response of the 24 elders. He then saw the scroll in the right hand of him who sat upon the throne. He heard the angel uh, proclaim with a loud voice who is worthy to take the scroll and loose the seals. And then he saw Jesus as a lamb that had been slaughtered as he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And he heard the multitudes in heaven 
as they sang, Worthy is the Lamb to take the scroll and loose the seals, for he has redeemed us by his blood out of every nation, family, tribe, and tongue, and he's made us unto our God kings and priests. That's a song that only the church can sing. They're in heaven in chapter 5. Now, when Jesus begins to open the seals, the first seal brings forth, I believe, the Antichrist, the white horse and his rider. And it will be followed by the wars and the famines and the desolation of the great tribulation period, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Paul the Apostle, in writing about the son of perdition, he said, that which hinders shall hinder until he is taken out of the way, and then shall he be revealed, that man of sin. But he cannot be revealed as long as the church is here. It's not until the church is removed that the Antichrist can be revealed. Thus, the deception of the elect would be the elect of Israel, the nation of Israel elected by God and spoken of as God's elect in the scriptures. Told you I'd get tell you about it when we got to verse 31, but I got a little bit ahead of myself. <laughs> but we'll we'll hit that a little bit more. <laughs> it is interesting that in Second Thessalonians, God declares that He will give to them a strong delusion because they did not want to believe the truth, so God will give them over to a strong delusion that they will believe a lie rather than the truth. It's dangerous to reject the truth. It's amazing the weird things that people will believe once they have rejected the truth of God. They'll even believe things as weird as the evolutionary hypothesis. When you really look at that, it is absolutely absurd. It's the greatest hoax that has ever been perpetrated upon mankind. To think that this human body could result from matter acting on matter over billions of years of time is absolutely ridiculous. If matter acting on matter over a given or a long period of time can produce anything, especially something as marvelous as the human body, then why do we have to make buildings? Why do we have to make cars? Why do we have to make watches? Why not just wait for them to evolve? Or they should have evolved a long way back on the chain of evolution. Because they're not nearly as complex as life. They haven't the capacity of reproducing them. Well, that's not, let's go on. <laughs> so Jesus said, now I've told you this before, and it's true, this is the third time that he's warned them about the false Christ and the false prophets who will deceive. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. It's interesting that the Jehovah Witnesses uh, were predicting that Christ would come in 1917 and establish his kingdom upon the earth. They were certain of this date. 
And they had even purchased a uh, mansion down in San Diego. And uh, they tried to deed it to Abraham and David because they felt that the saints would be coming back with the Lord and David would no doubt like to live in San Diego. So uh, they tried to deed it to David, but uh, the county wouldn't let them deed it to Abraham or to David. And so uh, they took deed to it themselves. But in the deed, they made a clause that this was to be held perpetually for uh, Abraham and David, who would soon be appearing on the earth. Well, 1917 passed, and David and Abraham didn't show up, uh, nor did the Lord. But uh, in order to cover their error, they said, well, It was then that the Lord entered into a secret chamber and he is now ruling the world. He has set up his kingdom, but ruling from this secret chamber through, actually, the Jehovah Witness organization today. Well, my Bible says that when the Lord comes, he's going to bind Satan. He's going to chain him and bind him and put him in the abuso, the bottomless pit. And if Satan is bound today, There's one problem, his chain is too long. He's got still too much freedom as far as I'm concerned. I still see his work in the world around us. Jesus said if they say he's in the secret chambers, believe it not. I think that if I were they, I would have chosen something else than a secret chamber to have placed the Lord in my doctrine. Um... Then Jesus, going on to talk of his coming, said, For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so also the coming of the Son of Man shall be just like a flash of lightning, just there, bang, brilliant. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles or the vultures be gathered together. Now, There is problems here in interpretation. Uh, There are those such as Watchman Nee who interpret here the carcass as being the body of Christ and the eagles as sort of a super saint. So wherever the body of Christ is, you're going to have the super saints. And so those who try to identify themselves as super saints usually attach the eagle to their names of their fellowships uh, and uh, sort of following the Watchman Nee interpretation. But in the uh, other places of Scripture that speak of the vultures and the bodies, the carcasses of man. Ezekiel thirty-nine seventeen, And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, speak unto every feathered fowl and to every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come. Gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice, which I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that you may eat flesh and drink blood, and you shall eat the flesh of the mighty. You'll drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, and of goats, of bullocks, all of them the fatlings of Bashan. 
And ye shall eat fat till you are full, and drink blood until you are drunken of my sacrifice, which I have sacrificed for you. And thus you will be filled at my table with horses and chariots, with mighty men, with men of war, saith the Lord God. Revelation 19, 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, that is the Antichrist, and with him the false prophet that wrought the miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake, burning with fire and burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all of the fowls were filled with their flesh. So Jesus is talking here of the great tribulation period and of the battle of Armageddon in which the Lord will invite the vultures to come and to feast on the bodies of the fallen armies who had gathered together to try to thwart uh, the return of Jesus Christ uh, in power and in glory. So wherever the carcass, the bodies are, there will the eagles or the vultures be gathered together. And then immediately after the tribulation of those days, the battle of Armageddon is the last event of the great tribulation period. And immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Immediately after the tribulations, there will be great catastrophic, cataclysmic events taking place within the universe. The sun is darkened. The moon will not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven. It is interesting that in the book of Revelation, as he is giving details of the great tribulation period, he speaks of the sun increasing in its strength and scorching men upon the earth. Is it possible that our sun will go into a supernova? Perhaps so. Here it is turned dark, and of course, because the moon is only a reflection of the sunlight, it also is darkened. The stars will fall from heaven, a tremendous meteorite shower upon the earth, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken by a mighty wind. 
And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Tremendous cataclysmic events changing, really, the whole uh, geographical surface of the earth. Isaiah 13.10, For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. Isaiah 13, 11, and I will punish the world. The great tribulation, I will punish the world for their evil. Notice the purpose of the great tribulation is to punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. Now, if you are righteous in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, then the great tribulation is not for you. It is for the wicked world to be punished for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Joel speaks of it in chapter 2. He said, The earth shall quake before them, the heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army. For his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? So as Joel speaks of these same events, he speaks of them in the light of the return of Jesus Christ. The Lord will utter his voice before his army. His camp, that is the church of Jesus Christ, is very great. Joel chapter 3, verse 15, The sun and the moon shall be darkened, the stars shall withdraw their shining, and the Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. And so shall ye know that I am Jehovah your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. And then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall no strangers pass through her anymore. And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine, the hills shall flow with milk, and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters, and the fountain shall come forth of the house of the Lord and shall water the valley of Shittim. And so the glorious coming again of Jesus Christ and, and a whole new earth, a new environment uh, by his coming. Isaiah 24 said, Then the moon shall be confounded, the sun ashamed, when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. So Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of those days, Shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And so he's just sort of summarizing what Isaiah and Joel and the other prophets have told us. And then, after this, shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power 
and great glory. Hallelujah. I can hardly wait. Daniel writing of this in chapter 7, beginning with verse 13, said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with clouds of heaven, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, this is Zechariah chapter 12, the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Then they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul said, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Finally, Revelation 1, 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all of the families of the earth shall wail because of him, even so let it be. And he shall send at this time his angels, when he comes again, he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now the Antichrist is, if possible, deceiving the very elect. Here when Jesus returns, he sends out the angels to gather together his elect from the four corners of the earth. There are those who say, well, that's the church. The Lord's going to gather then the church. But in the Old Testament, this very event is prophesied, but it is prophesied not of the church, but of the nation Israel. Much confusion has been created by Bible teachers who spiritualize the church or they spiritualize Israel in the New Testament to be a reference to the church and they say that the nation of Israel is through as far as God is concerned. All of the prophecies that related to Israel are now applicable to the church or all the promises are applicable to the church and it has created great confusion, especially in the understanding of biblical prophecy. Now, you see, if you interpret this as the church, then the rapture takes place after the great tribulation period, and that's 
where you get your post-tribulation rapture uh, ideas, and these are the scriptures that they use to prove it. However, in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 12, And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcast of Israel, and gather the, together the dispersed of Judah from where? From the four corners of the earth. What did you just read here? He shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Very obvious. A reference to the passage in Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah 27, 13. It shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria. The outcasts, and, and notice the great trumpet will be blown. The outcasts in the land of Egypt, they shall worship the Lord in the holy mountain at Jerusalem. Jeremiah 23, and I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries whether I have driven them, and I will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Isaiah 45, 4, for Jacob my servant's sake, and here is the elect, Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel mine elect. I have even called thee by thy name, I have surnamed thee, thou hast, thou hast not known me. And then Isaiah 65, 9, I will bring forth the seed out of Jacob and out of Judah, an inheritor of my mountains, and mine elect shall inherit it, and my servants shall dwell there. Isaiah 65, 22, they shall not build and another inhabit, they shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. And so the promise is a reference to Israel, not the church. Now as we get into verse 32, we sort of switch gears, and Jesus has, has given them the signs. These are the signs. And he takes you right up to his coming in clouds and great glory to establish God's kingdom upon the earth. But now a, a digression. We're going to talk about something else for a moment. Learn the parable of the fig tree. Now, in a figurative sense, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was likened to a fig tree. Hosea chapter 9, verse 10, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree at her first time. But they went to Baal, Peor, and separated themselves. In Jeremiah, the basket of rotten figs, the nation of Israel that had become rotten and, and unpalatable by God. In Joel 1.7, God uh, laments, He hath laid my vine waste, and he has barked my fig tree. He has made it clean, bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. And so the nation of Israel has been likened unto the vine, the vineyard, and also likened unto the fig tree. Now learn a parable, Jesus said, of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender, and it putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. 
Look at a fig tree. When it starts to put forth its leaves, you know that summer is coming. It's just a sign that summer is near. So likewise ye, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. The budding of the fig tree, the leaves. Now the fig tree being the nation of Israel, and you remember when Jesus cursed the fig tree, typical of the nation of Israel, failing to bring forth fruit, cursed, withers, dies, and God chooses from among the Gentiles his church to bring forth the fruit that the Lord desires. But the fig tree is beginning to bud in 1948. Israel was, against all odds, born again. That which was dead, the valley of dry bones, that God said to Ezekiel, can these bones be made to live? And Ezekiel said, oh God, you know. And, and he saw the bones come to life. He saw the flesh come on them, the body, the sinews and all. And, and he saw the rebirth of the nation. 1948, we saw it. 2,500 years after the vision of Ezekiel, we saw the fulfillment of that vision in the rebirth of the nation of Israel. In 1967, we saw Jerusalem again come under the control of the Jewish nation. When Israel first became a nation in 1948, Jerusalem was a divided city. The Jordanians occupied half of the city. The Israel, uh, the other part of the city. But in the war of 1967, the entire city came under Jewish control, no longer trodden under the foot of the Gentiles for the first time, actually, since Nebuchadnezzar's captivity of the city. And Jesus said, Jerusalem will be trodden under the foot of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The, the fig tree, obviously, budding forth. What does it tell you? Summer is nigh. It's close. It's even, Jesus said, at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. The word generation, the Greek word genia, usually refers to a national kind of an ethnic group. And so what Jesus is prophesying is that the Jews would not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, the Jewish nation, the fact that it remains and they remain as an ethnic uh group of people is a miracle unparalleled in the history of man. No ethnic group has been able to maintain its national identity without a national homeland for more than five generations. In all of history, never happened. That without a homeland, people were able to maintain a Ethnic identity. How many Hittites have you met lately? <laughs> or Amorites? Or Jebusites? 
I doubt if you've met any lately. They were just sort of swallowed up into the nations where they were dispersed when they were taken captive. But the Jews have maintained their national identity all over the world, wherever they have been scattered. They maintain their national identity, those that were scattered to India, to China, those that were scattered to South America, those that were scattered through Europe, those that are in the United States. They've maintained for 2,500 years a national identity without a homeland. We'll return with more of our in-depth study in the book of Matthew in our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck focuses his attention on the fig tree. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now I'd like to remind you that if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Matthew 24 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, we encourage you to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, all this can be found at thewordfortoday.org. If you'd like to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure and join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Father, we thank you that you have told us, that you have warned us. And may we, Lord, be wise to heed the warning. And may we walk, Lord, daily in righteousness, in holiness, in purity. As we await, Lord, the glorious day of your coming. And as we look forward to the establishing of your kingdom upon the earth. Lord, you said that if we read it, we should understand it. And so we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit. Give us understanding. Understanding of your ways. Understanding of your will. Understanding of your purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. For years, Pastor Chuck was asked thousands of questions. This new guy that my mom married, he thinks that the Christian beliefs are foolish, and I was wondering if that's going to like affect my mom's walk. I'm a Christian. I'm trying to fight the addiction of smoking, and are those things going to keep me from going in the rapture? Is it okay to use your tithe and give it to someone who's going on a mission trip instead of giving it directly to church? 
The Word for Today is pleased to present an ebook called Biblical Counseling by Chuck Smith, listing over 200 topics that include Pastor Chuck's commentary and the scripture references he used. Topics include addiction, business relationships, depression, lawsuits, sexuality, training children, and so much more. To download the Biblical Counseling ebook by Chuck Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. Or you can call 1-800-272-9673.